I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Getting jiggy with it, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Football Ramble. My name's Marcus Speller and Luke Moore's here. All right. And Jimmy Jiggy Campbell. Hello. Na 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 na, getting Jimmy, Jimmy with it. Na 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 na, get a finger with it. Ah, uh, breaking <laughs> news! I thought it was breaking news on Friday. Yeah. <laughs> happened again. Arsene a weekend's Wenger. football's happened. Arsene Wenger, eh? Big Veng will leave Arsenal at the end of the season after 300 years in charge. Yeah. Yep. Or 22 years uh, in the modern calendar. Uh, yes, the news broke, of course, in uh, ramble fashion, classic ramble fashion, the uh, the morning after we recorded Thursday's show. As I said to everybody, 
the big story this season was, of course, Pardew leaving West Brom, and that one came in at the right time. Yes, yes. Okay. you yeah. can't have it all. You can't, you can't lose in the ramble though, because either you get to to to, to go have it straight away, and you mm. get to put it out there, a la Pardew, or like happened with Wenger, you get a good run up at it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. One of the highlights of the whole situation, because it was a very, very surreal thing, especially as an Arsenal fan, uh, was that so many people were making the joke about Alan Pardew taking over that he he was trending. Wow. Like, which is really something, isn't it? I, bet he, I bet he was absolutely loving it as well. <laughs> the people yeah, have spoken. Completely missing the point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pars yeah. didn't realise it was a joke, did he? No, of course not. Yeah. Pardew doesn't realise anything's a joke unless he said the joke. Yes. Mm. And then sometimes even then he doesn't. But Jim, as, a, as an Arsenal <laughs> fan uh, of, of, of your lives standing, mm. um, how, how did you feel when you saw the news? Did you see it coming? Were you, how, what, were your, what was your initial sort of uh, feeling about it? Where were you? It did feel very, very sudden. Um, when it when it happened, I was just I was just at home, obviously. Um, Sorry, it's one of those things. I remember it. Let me, let me just jump in there because I understand it seems quite sudden. Yeah. Yet for years, so many people have I been know. calling for his head. It's that's, a funny one. That's the strangest thing about yeah. the whole thing. It felt very sudden. Just because I got a message from a friend of mine that was just a confused faced emoji, and I was like, all right, okay. So I just looked at the news. And I was like, oh my god, it's it's finally happening. Mm. And as I've said many times on the show, it is going to be like getting a new dad when someone when <laughs> someone steps in, and it feels very emotional because I was at school when he took over. You know, mm. I've not known a, my my mm-hmm. football club to change manager um, in you know as an adult, which is very very rare and unusual thing. I don't know what that process really feels like, so it's a very very strange feeling. Would you say the feeling was the same when you found out that the Cuban presidency had changed to not a Castro in charge? Because yeah. that's all we've known. That was the first thing I thought. Of, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Jim, and, and one of the things that's come out that, that I've noticed and something that I, a sort of myth, I suppose, that I want to dispel is that I don't want to speak on behalf of Arsenal fans, but just because on balance, people have thought that it would be better if Wenger was no longer the manager of the club. Now, I understand loads of people have disgraced themselves and been disrespectful mm-hmm. and all the rest of it. Most normal people aren't like that. But just because most normal Arsenal fans have now decided that the club would be better without Wenger, it doesn't mean you can't be sad that he's leaving. Oh, of course. And, and this very idea that, of course, oh, Arsenal fans are all of a sudden really hypocritical because they're now no. really lamenting his, his leaving is, um, is, is... They're not mutually exclusive. Absolutely. Also, you can't, uh, you can't paint every fan of any club with, with, with a single brush on any issue. I mean, some of the people that have been shouting the loudest for, for Wenger's head, they've been very interesting to sort of, you know, hunt them out on Twitter and see what they're saying now. They're and what are they saying? But fairly, I've seen some people being fairly disingenuous, claiming oh, I've always been, you know, always been supportive when he's done the right things and blah blah blah. It's like, right. yeah, but you've been screaming really loudly and being a bit of a baby about it a lot of the time. But you know, we're not here to talk about those people because um, they, they're a footnote in what is an incredible career, the likes of which we are unlikely to see again. I have so many incredible memories from from, from that man, and I have to say, despite all the frustrations, despite the fact that we've said so many times, you know, you can say the same thing over and over and over again about Arsenal over the years, and it's hard to to have anything left to say it's all absolutely worth it for, for, the, for the for the joy that he's brought me as a fan like watching that unbeaten team and the team in 1998 as well I mean they are they could be the best teams Arsenal ever have and I got to enjoy those in my youth and that, that's a really special thing that, that I feel very lucky to have witnessed and of course younger fans may have not witnessed that but he, but he still did uh, have those achievements under his belt yeah. do you think they were right to keep him on until the end of the season? <laughs> <laughs> sorry Arsenal you've taken as far as you can imagine that <laughs> I, I, you know, as an outsider looking in, I, I've, you know, Arsenal. It's a testament to the job Wenger's done, actually, because Arsenal are now a, a club that it's impossible to not have an opinion on, especially if you work doing what we do, and so they're never out of the headlines for whatever reason. And, and of course, a rich, illustrious history and a, and a huge club, um, and he would be 
you know, you wouldn't be you wouldn't be out, outrageous to say that he's been their most important and greatest manager mm. ever. Um, I understand the Herbert Chapman thing as well, and he would be up there too, of course, based on my understanding of it. But in terms of the modern era, the way that he shepherded them through into this new in, into the new era of football and yeah. shepherded them into a new stadium and all the rest of it, and I mean, just just an, an astonishing career, and and not only one that has changed Arsenal beyond recognition, but actually one that's changed English football Absolutely. beyond... Yeah. I mean, it's hard to imagine what English football would be like had Wenger not come in and taken the Arsenal job. Now, I understand that you know, football... You know, the world is a much smaller place now and things are influenced across different borders and different continents, of course. But Wenger, when you're talking about the history of English club football, Wenger's name is, is, will be writ large for, 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 the rest of, for the rest of time, really, yeah. because of the way he's changed exactly... Um, how how the game is played and how players think about nutrition, about training. I mean, the guy was an absolute revolutionary when he mm, came in. Absolutely, and everyone started copying it effectively, and that sort of helped bring things up to speed. It's mad to think that the man everyone thought was going to was going to replace Bruce Ritt was Johan Cruyff. It was like long yeah, ago, like that right. really sort of dates it, doesn't yeah. it? But yeah, I mean, it's it, Arsenal's status as a club now is, is far more down to him than I think a lot of people, particularly the younger people, would realise because you know obviously they didn't qualify for the Champions League last season, but to to qualify for as many years as they did and then move into this huge new state of the art stadium Arsenal weren't necessarily a club that were going to do that mm. you know they, they you know they've always been a big name in English football but they weren't you know um they weren't the huge sort of global brand that they are now it's horrible to use that word but it's kind of how modern football works and Wenger is it, so much of, of of their status now is down to him and yeah it's 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 uh, it's sad to see him go it is the right thing for the club and possibly for him we'll see what he does next I don't know if he'll retire uh, he says he doesn't feel tired or fatigued by it, so he might move on somewhere else. Um, so I'd be surprised if that was here, but who knows? The four, the four big, I think four big club stories in, in 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 the Premier League since we've been doing the show have been Chelsea under Abramovich, Manchester City under um, the Abu Dhabi Investment Group, um, and on the other side of the coin, we've had um, Ferguson's United mm. and Wenger's Arsenal. Now, with the with with the exception of Ferguson's United, and that is a big exception, and they built a, he built a dynasty over many many years as well. I wonder, we're probably never going to see that happening again. So any success story we talk about now in the, in the way modern football works is going to be much, is much more likely to be related around the, an oligarch coming in, mm. a big money man coming in, and the club turning over managers fairly quickly, but also you know, ha- having sustained success using that model rather than the sort of build from the ground up. Because you know, Wenger won the, the, the Premier League in what, his second full season in charge. You wonder whether managers will be given that chance mm. these days. I mean, they might be because two years is, is quite a quick, impactful success. But I guess it depends on the club. The sad thing is Guardiola's managed it. He has managed it. He has. But the sad thing is, we're not really probably going to see um, a a manager of that like again in the Premier League because even say Eddie Howe, who's come up through the, the leagues with, with Bournemouth, there's a clear ceiling there for a team like Bournemouth in terms of sustained success. Even yeah, though they managed, managed to fluke a Leicester City and win it as a one-off, mm-hmm. you're not going to get a dynasty. You're not going to get an era like that. So in many ways, Wenger represents a dying a dying generation, a, a generation that we won't see again. And, that, and that's the reason to be quite sad about it as mm, well. Absolutely. Definitely. Jeff Shreves was typically respectful <laughs> in his post-match uh, interview after the West Ham game. It was like, he was really, really trying to get something out of it. It was, it was properly like, Arson, so after the end of such a long reign, are you concerned about the creeping spectre of death? <laughs> really, just leave, give the man a moment. I'm that's sad, quite I'm a nice sad. impression of old Shreves. I'm sad it's not that one you, you want, though. No, 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 it's not. You can't have that in your locker. <laughs> I, I don't know why you brought Shreves to the table. <laughs> I just felt I had to get that off of my chest. But, I was watching that like, Jeff! 
it is, Shut up, it is, and, and that's absolutely right. And I think, I think, you know, like we all are, really compared to such a such a great man in the game, we're just we're we're, we're carrying, uh-huh. aren't we? Picking up, we're, we're vultures picking on the carrier. Call Jeffrey's like, a great man in no, the game. No, no, <laughs> you know, I, I, know, I know. But and this is the time to be positive and reflect on what Wenger achieved, and and um, of course, we're sure we'll do a profile in due course about him uh-huh. and, and all that kind of stuff because that's what he deserves, um, and that'll be a real feather in his cap, I think. Yeah, indeed, a, a profile yeah. for the rabble leading up to. But just a, just a word of warning. I read earlier today. And I also heard Gary Neville say that Arsenal don't currently have a transition plan in place. Now, that cannot be true, can it? You would hope not, but we've we've seen that Arsenal have gone from being a club that everybody sort of respected as the way to run a club to being a little bit more chaotic. You can see that with the transfer policies in the past and how they've been a little bit kind of, well, very, very slapdash. So I hope not, but I think it's such that the situation's so delicate that... When, you know, when you're in the club and Arsene Wenger has been in charge for so long and the, the situation is, at, is as it is, the idea of planning for his succession under his nose um, is probably a little bit difficult. It might be that, you know... They'll have people in mind. No, there'll certainly be people in mind, but it might be that Wenger's only comes to this decision now. He had that two-year contract. You know, who he, we know that he was, he was a very proud man or is a very proud man that thinks he can keep doing a job. So it could just be that, you know, this has been sprung on the board now. They're expecting him to do another year. Who knows? But um, they've got to get one together quickly. It's, it's, there's lots of names linked. Um, I'm, Allegri I, I, and Ancelotti. The Rodgers one won't go away, though I would very much like it to. <laughs> I don't, I don't just, just to be clear, I don't just mean who the next manager is going to be. I mean, a seismic no, change the in the running of the club yeah, yeah, it needs to be club. prepared for as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I'd love Wenger and Arsenal to win the Europa League. And I, I would as well. And I, I mean, I would have loved that even before. Because it's a type of trophy that's eluded him. Exactly. Mm. And I would have loved it if, if, if they do win it. Everyone goes, oh, it's such a shame you go and you, you know, brought us a trophy. Yeah. All right, I'll stay on for another yeah. couple of years. Could happen, could <laughs> that's what we want. Um, that would be wonderful. Yeah. There we are. Um, Diego Simeone turns up the first day of pre-season and he's just in the chair. <laughs> what are you doing here? You're a couple of years early. Oh, yeah. There's been a change of plan yeah. and style of football as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. Uh, gentlemen, the FA Cup, a trophy that Wenger knows very well. He's not going to win it this time. Mourinho might. Mourinho rides again. My goodness, that man, he just pulls it out the bag, doesn't he? Does, he? One yeah. minute we're saying yeah, they've beaten Manchester City. The old, maybe next season they might um, have So a... predictable they did this. Yeah. yeah, and then they lose to West Brom. You think, oh, blimey. They even go a goal down. I, I just, it, it's, it, it's incredible really if you know they have had a good season I suppose and the, the disappointing thing is have been a few sloppy results yeah uh, going out in the Champions League in quite weak fashion mm-hmm. and uh, and perhaps not playing the most exciting brand of football but they're in the FA Cup and it was a brilliant win against Spurs they were they were much better but he had Sanchez was on song you know Pogba was was playing well linked brilliantly for the goal mm. uh, and, and, well another assist for Pogba we talked about yeah, well, him on Thursday and what a beauty it was yeah. but they, they, you know they started the game Spurs straight out the traps 1-0 you know with that crowd and yet Manchester United they win well they soak it up don't they um, that, <laughs> Jose Mourinho is very good at um, getting his teams to disregard an atmosphere particularly if their atmosphere is going against them because they just stand up tall the whole game don't they yep. I, I don't think you, you're just not going to see a Mourinho team get get intimidated by a, a packed crowd you know it just doesn't yeah. it, it rarely happens I can't think of any examples well, of he it, relishes but... that which makes me think actually has it has it kind of um with with Manchester City winning the league in in the way they did does that play into his hands if you know what I mean give mm. me a little bit of uh, wiggle room here because next season Manchester City will be the favorites yeah. overwhelming favorites all about them and he loves nothing more 
than to go, mm. oh, right, yeah. so we're the underdogs, are we? Yeah. We're the unfashionable side. Well, we'll show you. And, and his Real Madrid side showed Guardiola's Barcelona that season when I think it was a record points tally they they won um, La Liga in, in between Barcelona with that one of the best sides of all time. Yeah. But, but concentrating on this game, again... Spurs would have perhaps been slight favourites for some people with that playing at Wembley. Not sure, you know. I think they would be. I think, you know, clearly the situation is slightly different because the allocation to fans and tickets and all the rest of it, you know, we've all been to Wembley at semi-finals. There's, you know, one side of the stadium is one set of fans. Mm -hmm. It it will be different to an extent. But Spurs play at that... um, play at that stadium every other week. They've they've settled into that, that location pretty well. As I said to you before, I was at the game when they played them in the league, and Spurs were a hundred times better. They, mm. I mean, United weren't even at it. It, it. it was one of the it was one of the poorest United performances I've ever seen in the flesh. They were really so poor, mm-hmm. and Spurs were so good. Um, and you and you see Ali get the early goal, which mm-hmm. is similar to what happened in the league game. Spurs scored much earlier, but they did score first. And after that, you thought, well, it's going to be like a league game all over again. But mm. then United start to push, and I, and I, I felt actually that Spurs. Um, for, for a reason I can't quite put my finger on, Spurs almost allowed United to come into the, back into the game. I know what you mean. They let them push their way back in. Um, they let Pogba have time on the ball. Pogba st- stepped up and was counted, and that assist was fantastic. And, and we talked about his great number. header from Sanchez. Mm. It was, and he's got a great record in FA Cup games, as, as Jim will, will Love know. scoring against Spurs. Something like five FA Cup games at Wembley, he scored in all of them, yeah, which is right. an incredible record. Scored so, Chile as well. So Spurs must know all this stuff. And then, you know, something else that was quite un- uncharacteristic is that, you know, Pogba steals the ball from Dembele in quite a dangerous area. He muscles, muscles him off of it as well. Dembele's a strong yeah. player. People, I mean, I've seen, you know, not just, not just on this show, I've seen players say, and ex-players say, Dembele is one of the most underrated midfielders in Europe. Mm, yeah. He's so hard to get the ball off. He'll glide past you. You don't know where he's going. It was really unlike him to lose the ball like that from what I've seen. Spurs fans may disagree. They may see him a lot more often and go, you know... Um, you know, he does that a lot more. I don't know. But from what I've seen, he's so good on the ball. Mm. And then not only that, um, guys, but the um, who's tracking the Herrera run for the winner? Yeah. Mm. They, they, they're jogging back. And Herrera's in there. And, the, and it's a great finish. Um, and it's Spurs supporting a friend of mine who was at the game. He goes to all their games, knows his stuff. He's, he's been a season ticket holder for a long time. Uh, I used to work for him. And he said, Luke, to me, it felt like we knew how to play, but Mourinho United knew how to win. Absolutely. And, that, yeah. and that's the difference. Absolutely, it certainly feels like that, doesn't it? A little, I think as well when you come up against that sort of um, that sort of team, especially when they get back in the game, like United can fatigue you, you know, or, or Mourinho teams can fatigue you because it it does become this brick wall, and um, it, it's almost a brick wall that you can push up and down the pitch. And Pogba was superb as the sort of you know focal point of that. Um, and he and Sanchez are actually really developing what looks like a quite promising partnership for the future. I mean, mm-hmm. Sanchez has spluttered a little bit. It's taken him a little while to get going. But you've seen those two spark into life quite a bit. And that's going to be a huge, huge boon for them next season. Yeah, especially given that um, I haven't seen as much of that as you clearly have, Jim. But I'm not, I'm not denying that's true. But it's, it's, it's interesting. A few months ago, we were talking about how um, how can Mourinho get both in the team effectively. Mm. So if he is starting to do that, that's great. Um, but... Just something we, we probably should mention is that Mourinho, despite being at the, game, at the top of the game for such a long time, based on that game, um, he's still learning. He's still adapting. I mean, you guarantee he'd have had the tape of that um, league game out and would have been watching it. How can, how can we target him here and there, you know? Um, and, you know, as, as Jim said, he's, he's the king of sort of uh, 
of, of making it happen. But that kind of winning mentality, what you're talking about, the Spurs winning mentality was in question after the game. Dali Ali was gutted. He was absolutely, absolutely gutted, gutted in that post-match interview. And he said that they shouldn't have thrown it away. 1-0 up, he went, the crowd are like that and so on. He's just, he, he was shaking yeah. and saying, how have we lost? And, yeah. and Pochettino said there's still a lot of work to do, whether it's with himself or another manager, which is not the kind of word mm. Spurs fans uh, want to hear. Whether you can, from him. Yeah, but whether you, you, I mean, you can look into that as much or as little as possible. I mean, it's second language stuff. I mean, it's, it's, well, you can look into as much as, uh, or as little as possible. Time will tell. But he did say, you know, that again, that, that breeding that winning mentality. Uh, whereas Mourinho said, Mourinho himself said, when I don't win, you kill me, because I almost do that all of the time. When I don't do it, you kill me, which is what you were all ready to do. I think that's yeah. right. I, 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 it I, is right, but we have to be careful, because this season, we've been dragged one way and then back the other on Mourinho. And, well, and all, I've said, all I've really said, by and large, is the fact that it's, it's just dull, it's just terrible to watch. It's like you can't, it's hard to get excited about mm. it, and you know, you're not... And if well, you, yeah. I think he's right to an extent of what he's saying there, but if they are going to come second Man United, because of what's come before... We are within our rights, and people are within their rights to say, "Well, that's not good enough for Man United," and that's some of the criticism he's received. Mm. But just briefly on the Spurs thing and about Deli Ali being gutted, I, I saw that as well. And and it's it, we can't gloss over what Pochettino's achieved at Spurs. I mean, before Pochettino came along, Spurs were known for being a type of team, mm. this Spursy thing that comes along. But Pochettino has. Has, has, has really sort of almost eradicated that. And I say almost because clearly there's still a bit of a, bit of a way to go. People were saying, and we were probably with, been the same on this show, can they sustain a Champions League team? Well, they're going to finish in the top four this season again. Mm. They're going to be in the Champions League again. They've had signature wins in the Champions League this season against yes. teams like Real Madrid against Dortmund. They were unlucky not to beat Juventus. So they are stepping up and stepping up and, and, they're, and they're getting better. And they have played at a stadium which is not their own as well. They've, yeah. they've, they're transitioning into a new stadium, something we mentioned about with Wenger and Arsenal earlier. Not easy to do. Wenger did a great job of that as well at the Emirates. Took them some more time to win something after yeah, they did it, but they did it. But the final thing is, that's the eighth FA Cup mm. semi-final in the row that Spurs have lost. So there are still some aspects, as Jonathan Wilson said in The Guardian this weekend, there are still some bits and pieces and there's still work to do. And that's why Pochettino is saying that. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, they'll be playing Chelsea in the final with Manchester United. Narrative, Jim. Oh, Narrative. All over it. Come Go on. Get ready for some mind games towards Antonio Conte. <laughs> for, for abs- for basically from now on. Conte will be looking at that thinking, oh God, he's going to be on me all like, for a month. No, Conte we look at that going, oh, I've got to do an extra game before I leave yeah. <laughs> actually the thing, the thing as we've said before I love the, this particular ding dong between Mourinho and Conte because um, Conte absolutely rises to it every single time but just sort of quite enjoys that I was going to say he's, Conte he's rising anyway. he wants to rise to it he's like a constantly erupting volcano oh, so it an... just depends where he splatters his lava doesn't it he's an absolute nutter but he would have uh, been in love with that Giroud goal wouldn't oh, he it was beautiful how I miss him <laughs> how, um, this is Giroud against Sanchez for me at Wembley this is how I'm getting involved in that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> well, yeah who are you cheering for? Giroud. Okay, <laughs> and it pains me to say that for obvious reasons, but you know, it was it, a great goal. And, and Giroud is, is he earned it? I mean, he had a starting place, didn't he? And he earned it. Yeah. I mean, he's been playing well. He's been yeah. scoring when he's been called upon. I, I don't know who they'll go with um, for the final itself, but Maratikas Morata came on and scored as well. It's a great goal from from Giroud. Great mm. quick feet in, in a key area. Um, so Southampton had a couple of sort of key moments. One was the. Um, the Shane Long chance. I mean, Shane Long's first touch is a thing of absolute <laughs> beauty. Yeah, yeah I mean, in a sense. Yeah. Well, beauty isn't the height of the beholder, of course. Wait, it's almost it's the only player I've ever seen in at that level where the ball comes to him at pace and it hits him 
And before you know it, it's out of camera shot. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a pimple machine. Yeah. How is that even possible? Yeah, it, it was like a stick of dynamite. And I don't mean that like the compliment it might sound no, like. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's absolutely incredible because Charlie Austin did so well to dummy that. That was, that was if you're breaking down a tight defence, that sort of play is brilliant. It yeah, was such class. a great bit of thinking. And then Long has just wasted it completely. Well, their key moments were that. And then the, uh, was it Austin or Gabardini who hit the post? Austin. Austin. Yeah, hit the post. Well, Gabardini might have put it in, although it's easier said than done and of course he, he probably thought it was going in itself but that was at 2-0 but yeah the, the, I mean Shane Long he's caught in two minds isn't he yeah but it was right after Chelsea scored their second if they get it back to 2-1 and there's 10 minutes left you know stranger things have happened it's a cup semi-final you know true and then there was the, the moment of course when uh, Willie Caballero dropped the ball I don't and know how he saved that it was mm. a stranger I mean I'm not sure that, was it a foul probably oh you, not. Mean, you mean the actual yeah. uh, coming oh, well, together was that one. the save he made was incredible it was like yeah. he'd messed it up but his, his trailing arm was ready it hit the inside of his left hand and went behind him but didn't go in the goal and yeah. the one you're talking about I didn't think that was a foul no, I didn't think it was a foul. Was it a handball? I mean, what what was it? Did it even go in? The fact of the matter yeah. is it was given as a free kick and Southampton were a little bit hard done by. Southampton played well, but Chelsea's class just yeah. well, they, came they through. Well, they did play well, but only in very small bursts. And I, I wonder what this does to them around now because they've been so like, pretty badly outplayed there. And, you know, that's not great. Well, um, well, yeah, we'll, we'll come on. To the, I mean, the only thing you could say, Jim, is that no one really expected them to win that game. I suppose for me, um, if they were in the tie late doors, yeah, yeah. which they were, then... Yeah. I, yeah. I get that no one expects them to... You know, to, to be in the tie, but if you then go to the tie and get an absolute lesson, you know, well, it's you, not necessarily you, great. From sure. my point of view, I wanted to. I wanted to. I like it when there's a um, an, Southampton uh, loss. No, well, yes, yeah, <laughs> and I'll come on to that. Uh, but I like it when there's like a non-traditional big team in the cup yeah, final. Of but that team would have been Southampton, so I'm fairly happy with what. Because what <laughs> <laughs> I think I would. I didn't want to get into a situation where they got relegated, but they, mm. yeah, we won the FA Cup. Because I, I can't yeah. have that. I cannot have that. Why can't you have that? I don't want them to have a trophy. Yeah. Nah, they, 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 one the, you want the last team on the South Coast to be um, to have won the FA Cup be Portsmouth, but all, but, no, all, but all joking aside, one of the one of the things that... Oh, Savannah are a Premier League team as, at time of recording. <laughs> well, they are, they are. But one of the things that Portsmouth has got over Southampton has had over them for years and years is they've won more trophies. So mm. I, I don't need Southampton to be winning more trophies. I don't think Southampton have ever won the top flight, have they? I don't think so, no. But Portsmouth that? Yes, twice. Twice? Yeah. Late 50s? Yeah, we haven't got time for that. Long, <laughs> Let's that, do a profile da, on it. Download my own special podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's out every day. Yeah. Indeed, indeed. Uh, but, but yeah, Conte versus Marina. Nice bit of narrative. I, I know that it, it's two sides who have won a lot of trophies and yeah. so on. But for the neutral, let's just at least enjoy that mm. because we've got that to look forward to, as you say, a lot of nonsense and yeah. and whatnot. Although it's just as well Pete's not here because he would just be moaning about more Mourinho quotes and, and so on and so forth. I'd be loving, loving the Sunderland stuff wouldn't he? Well, again, yeah. we, we maybe he'll turn up for it. We don't I'll call know. him yeah. later. See what yeah. he Apparently he's in Denver. Yeah. Things to do in Denver when you're Donny. Denver the last Donny sauce. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's time for a break, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be back after this. You get all them nice big juicy worms hanging out of your mouth just on the edge there. Oh, hey. Tasty. <laughs> very, very tasty. It's now time for correspondence with Jimmy C. Yeah, I'm going to start off with a quick one. This is from Mark Gelbert. He says, I did get Sheila Vera as the answer to going for gold last week, but only because Sam Blakely emailed me the answer in advance. So that's <laughs> How Sam is that Blakely, possible? Our, our, our worst listener. The guy, the guy is emailing everyone he knows, yep. including yep. all the key contestants <laughs> yep. in going for Grintles. 
Go for it. Grintles. Okay, so um, we've got another one here. This has been doing the rounds on Twitter a little bit as well. Hi, gents. Just wanted to throw a quick, quick highlight of the week for my mate, low light for me. Had my stag do this weekend in Edinburgh, and the best men had arranged for a lovely trip to the Angley Park Stadium for the Edinburgh City versus Clyde game. Oh, you After used to play five a- side then. Did you really? Mm. After a quick embarrassing quiz in the morning, in which my future wife revealed my enormously embarrassing nickname of Snuggle Monster, we arrived <laughs> <laughs> at the ground. On arrival, I was quickly stripped of my pride, dignity, and clothes, and thrown into a full Edinburgh City kit complete with Snuggle Monster emblazoned on the back. Very good. I had to lead out the teams hand in hand with former Scotland international Craig Beattie who was absolutely loving it. What makes it worse was the fact I'm six foot five and it was family day at the ground so all the other players' children were also (laughs) mascots and following in behind. Classic big man, little man combination. Sadly, I was far from a good luck charm as Clyde ran out comfortable 3-1 winners. Loving the show. Cheers, Mike slash Snuggle Monster. That's very good, that. Great. It's got incredible work gone into that. Stag weekends are the scourge, aren't they? I, mean, I was in Munich yeah. last weekend and there's quite a few stag weekends around and they're horrible. A bit, oh God. But if you're going to do something like that, then I, I approve. Yeah, and Snuggle Monster, work. you are officially a friend of the Ramble for yeah, that. Damn so there right. you go. Damn right. Hi, all. Hello. So I was thinking about Marcus's tip for West Brom to get Champions League last season and I wondered whether the <laughs> Ramble curse has directly contributed to their painful Pardew-filled demise. So the show in which Marcus tipped them for Champions League um, qualification was the preview show from the 3rd of the 3rd, 2017, before which West Brom had a respectable run in the season with 11 wins, 7 draws and 9 losses, putting them a giddy 8th place with 40 points. Since that show, they have won a mere five times in the league, <laughs> oh, endured half a season of Alan Pardew and currently sit rock bottom of the Premier League table. The Ramble curse exists. Hang on a minute, Jim. I don't know about you, but I feel that's a Marcus curse, not a Ramble oh, curse. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and also, I didn't tip them for Champions League. I jokingly suggested that look how close they are to fourth spot, I think. Well, if they stuck with Poo this, they might be there now. Yeah, exactly. You lie down with Pardew, you get fleas. Good point against Liverpool, though. It was fantastic. Since Pardew's gone, they've beaten Manchester United, Old Trafford, and drawn with Liverpool. Yeah. I want to get rid of him last week. Oh, bollocks. Yeah. Get on with it, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> so, Pete, please continue to be pessimistic and dour about Newcastle. We definitely do not need a Ramble curse right now. Cheers, Jake Young. Nice one for that, Jake. It's mm. a Marcus curse, not a Ramble yeah, curse. Yeah, I, I think so. That. I, I mean, we've cursed harsh. enough stuff ourselves, haven't we? But I think yeah, yeah. you have to bear the brunt of that one, mate. The th- Chris brunt. I, th- I, think, uh, yeah. <laughs> I think when you... Uh, what, what some of our listeners are, are singularly failing to realise is mm-hmm. we talk about lots of different football clubs all the time yep. and some of those will occasionally do quite badly. Mm. And by the way, if you actually thought I tipped West Brom for Champions League qualification... Well, you did. Yeah, you I think, that the thing is, Marcus, I think that and I know Jim does as well so yeah. we're with the we, listeners on that. We can read the glints in your eye. Up all of yours. Is that all, Jim? Or have you uh, got one more? Oh, one more. Okay. One more from Robbo Rock. Hello, Ramblers. Robbo. Like your listener from last week, I was also at Ireland v Denmark in 2002. (laughs) However, being a lot older at 12 years of age, I remember it a bit better. The stadium announcer, obviously feeling a bit guilty for landing non-former Rangers player Peter Madsen in it, came back on over the Tannoyo after 10 minutes of booing to announce, we would like to encourage fans to show the usual friendly Lansdowne Road welcome to all players. This resulted in loud cheers every time Peter Madsen and the rest of the Danish team received the ball, and a chorus of loud boos and whistles every time an Irish player touched the ball. (laughs) If I remember correctly, even Clint Morrison's 90th minute goal was received with boos from the home crowd. <laughs> Tell you what, when you go and watch Ireland play, you really have got to make your own entertainment. Apparently so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so. Well, listen, show at thefootballramble.com if you want to get involved with more of that nonsense. Whenever Pete's back, uh, he'll be reading your emails. But whenever he's not here, Jim will be doing it and actually probably reading ones that are yeah. good rather than the most recent ones that come into the inbox. I and yes, that is a dig, Donny. <laughs> <laughs> there we are, ladies and gentlemen, back into the Premier League. And let's go to some individual awards as it's that time of year. Mo Salah 
Crown PFA Player of the Year. Deserved. Who Unless saw, you're a Kevin De Bruyne fan. Who saw that coming? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, it was him, between him and Kevin De Bruyne. And, and I suppose the thing that made it um, perhaps a tiny, tiny bit of a surprise is the fact that, we, as we talked about uh, last week, uh, this is voted on at a quite odd, odd time of the season. And, and Salah, has, 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 he hit the ground running, but he's improved and improved and improved. Yeah. And now it's like a, almost like a a groundswell of opinion that he's been the best player mm. in the Premier League, whereas maybe perhaps a few months ago, people were saying it's between those two. Yeah. Um, for what it's worth, regular listeners to this show will know that I don't really care too much about um, individual awards in football, but if I had to be pushed, I would say I agree with that decision. Mm. Mm. And Shocking Ro- music. Sorry to was it? cut in there. I didn't the see music it. for when the award is given, it's just, just, what in, was it? just this weird sort of embarrassing trumpet thing. It, it just all looks a little <laughs> is bit... Is it really? I didn't yeah. see it. Yeah, I didn't really... Oh, fair enough, Jim. Well, we'll look into that for next year. Leroy Sané, of course, one young player yeah. of the season. And I think deservedly so. Can't argue too much. Uh, with that, back to the team game, though. Stoke needed a win. They didn't get that win. Stoke needed a win. win. It's like you're going to break into song. Stoke uh, needed, needed a win. win but Stoke they didn't get one. one. And Mo Salah is now player of the... Was that the music, <laughs> yeah. Jim? Yeah, that was it. <laughs> what, what a bizarre subject for a musical. <laughs> Stoke City. Uh, oh, yes, uh, Dio have had a chance at 1-0 to make it 2-0. Of course, didn't take it. Stephen Ireland hit the outside of the bar. Stephen think, Ireland, ladies and gentlemen. Lovely to right. see him. Still finding um, <laughs> I, I feel I, like this in itself has become a regular thing. Yeah. Like remembering Stephen Ireland. Mm. Um, Mo Salah has scored more Premier League goals than the whole of West Brom and only one fewer than Stoke. Mm. So there's your link. Absolutely. Yeah. There's the curse again. They were very close to, uh, to it, weren't they? <sighs> I tell you what, Actually, Barnes popped up, as talked about on, on the show last as week. As per. As per. Yeah. Yeah, Barnes is in a rich vein of a uh, scoring vein at the moment, isn't he? Yeah. Um, relatively speaking. But yeah, Stoke, y- you do worry for them now. Liverpool away next. Palace at home, then Swansea away. We said they have to go into that Swansea game needing something. I think they're, d- they're down. I mean, they've got 29 points. They play fewer games. They've got fewer games left than the other two. Yeah. Because yeah. really, I mean, we, are we talking about it being a straight shootout between Stoke, Southampton, and Swansea? Yeah. And one of them can survive realistically. Yeah. And, and, Swan- and Swansea, of course, are favourites. Uh, Stoke are got... in big trouble, though. They're, 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 they're in huge they trouble. Huge trouble. It was a good weekend, despite obviously losing, but in the ter- in, in in the context of the league for Southampton, because because uh, Stoke didn't win. And and Swansea got battered, which helps the goal yeah. difference thing. Yeah, that's for, for Southampton. I mean, Stokes' goal difference is shocking, so it didn't really make too much difference. But uh, but but Swansea have got Chelsea at home next, and then Southampton have got Bournemouth at home next. Now it, that is a big weekend for both of those sides because if yeah. Southampton win and Swansea lose, say, then it's on. It really is on. And then and then Swansea go to, away to Bournemouth, Southampton away to Everton, and then of course they play each other. You'd rather be in Swansea's position because oh, of course you take the points all day long. I mean, what I'm saying is that Southampton do have a little bit of a chance, though. Yeah, I mean, Bournemouth and Everton are exactly the type of teams you want to be playing at the moment because they've got far less, you know, riding on on, on the outcome. Of course, Man City is a nightmare. Um, but 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 there you go. I think yeah, you look at those Stoke fixtures, playing Palace and Swansea, two teams that really need to to specifically beat you. That, that is, that is a, <laughs> yeah. a tough ask, isn't it? I know, yeah. So it's going to be interesting down the bottom of the Premier League. Into the Championship, we know, of course, that Wolves are going to be playing Premier League football next season, but they secured the title with a 4-0 win against Bolton. Lovely old job. Yeah. Bolton are, are terrible, though, aren't they? They really are, yeah. <clears throat> what about Sunderland, eh? Yeah. Oh, my. They, they even found out the most humiliating way to do it as well. It's fascinating. <laughs> I mean, how humiliating is it? I think um, that Jonathan Wilson wrote an article this weekend about Sunderland. It's very good. Do seek that out. And he said in 2017, they held the lead at home um, for, in, in home matches in that, that calendar year for, for an accumulative total of 20 minutes. That's mad. 
It's absolutely They're in a terrible state. I work with Mickey Gray quite regularly. He's obviously a legend at the club and he's absolutely gutted about what's going on there, of yeah. course. Ellis Short doesn't really seem to give a shit. He's trying <laughs> to sell, isn't he? <laughs> he wants to, well, he wants the club to be taken over and he said, they, he said you can have it for free, but you have to take on the debt. And that's, that's the problem. Hmm. Um, on the game itself. And against fellow strugglers, Burton Albion, 1-0 up. Burton score what eighty six and ninety third yeah something like that. Darren Bent, their former player, yeah, and really, really gave it some as well. Well, because he was getting booed the whole game, so he gave it some as you well, say. He looked like he'd eaten Darren Bent. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, of course, as you said earlier, Luke, after the match, Sunderland find out in the dressing room they've been relegated. The yeah. whole thing from top to bottom. And also, there's the added strange situation of the man wearing the uh, the man who scored the winner wearing a sports bra. Yeah. <laughs> just, just odd. <laughs> Weird, wasn't yeah, it? it? Must be some muscle thing. It's not, no, 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 pretend... no, it's not. It's to do with the, it's, it's, a lot of players wear it. It's, it's, it's got a GPS oh, thing that's in the back. Right. It shows so oh, they, can, tracks, yeah. they can pick up different details about their performance, their, so, cover, their, their distance cover, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and their Just, heart rate. Still, in the context, it looked like a sports bra. It, I mean, it does. It, it essentially is a sports bra, really. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, but uh, you know, just just go to, just because I saw extended highlights of the game. I mean, Burton pushed and pushed, and and, and, and to me, I have got sympathy for Sunderland fans for obvious reasons. But in mm. terms of the players on the pitch. It's hard to have any sympathy for them because Burton knew they, they, they had to win this game, right? They've got Bolton at home next. If they, if they win that, they leapfrog them. So, mm. so Burton are giving themselves a decent chance of staying in the division. They needed to win it. Sunderland were a goal up. Their fans are booing Darren Bent. I understand why he used to play for him and all the rest of it. And I'm sure there's a lot that went on that, that I can't immediately remember at the moment. But he used that as fuel, you know, and, and, oh, and, and he pops up and scores it's fine to boo a player, but it might come back to bite you yeah. on the arse at some point. And it certainly did. And you talked about your sympathy. Well, Nigel Clough, Burton manager, born in Sunderland, of course, said, I have unbelievable sympathy for Sunderland. Well, they're a big club and they've been growing to the ground. I mean, you have, you have to, it, we've seen it happen time and time again in football. And they, League One's a tough division. I mean, they, uh, as Portsmouth have found out to their chagrin uh, more recently. So it's going to be tough for them to bounce back as well. Just as well Pete's not here. Otherwise, uh, Sunderland fans might be too depressed to, uh, to carry listen. on listening. Yeah. Uh, Actually, you might put that in the synopsis for Sunderland fans actually <laughs> still tuning in. Don't worry, the Geordie guy's not on it. A little mention for the pleasing <laughs> scoreline that happened uh, with Bristol City and Hull City. Five all. Five all. Yeah. I didn't see this, but it looked like it was an absolute cracker. Oh, no, it's marvellous. Bristol City equalised in the 94th minute after going from 4-2 up to 5-4 down. <laughs> but just seeing five all in the uh, classified results. That's so good for football because you come away from that, given being 5-4 down in the 94th minute, think, well, we've got a point there. And you'll forget the fact that you were 4-2 up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Brilliant stuff. Uh, into League One. Wigan will be back in the Championship next season after beating Fleetwood Town 4-0. Joey Barton watching on will be Fleetwood Town manager next season unless of course um, he has a fight with everybody during the summer and then they think otherwise could happen could very much happen we can have had a great season good cup run some big scalps mm. uh, and they've yeah. and they've gone back up into the championship which is where they'll feel that they belong not long ago of course playing in the Premier League so very much well done to them but Charlton beat Portsmouth to give their playoff chances a boost but Dent Pompey's Luke but it's, it's over for Portsmouth now I mean just, just quickly on <laughs> oh. Wigan, Wigan would have been the best team in the division in my opinion so yeah. good luck to them um, but Portsmouth, I mean, yeah, they, they, they lost at home to Charlton, the team around them that they had to beat, really. Um, and the, the, the upshot is the last four games at a key time in the season, having played their way into the playoff picture, I think they've picked up two points in four games. So, you, I mean, you can't really do that. No. Um, from what I saw in the game at Charlton at home, it, they looked nervous to me, Portsmouth. They should dominate the ball more. I don't know why they don't. Um, and they came up short. I mean, the home form hasn't been good enough overall. Something you, I mean, you guys who probably don't pay that much attention to Portsmouth, you would know that they're, they're, they're a team who very much relies on their home form. It's a good atmosphere down there. It's important for them to play well at home. And they went for a period of time, I haven't got the figures in front of me, but they went for a period of time, I think from New Year's Day or something, to about two weeks ago or three, they hadn't won a game at home. 
So they don't deserve to be in there is, is the upshot. And, and that was a key game. If they had won that, it was on. But um, yeah, they come up it's short. I wanted you to have a day out of Wembley maybe in the playoff. Fine. I've had many of those as a Pompey fan, mate. So it's okay. <laughs> but it gets further and further away though. It does. It does. That's, that's what it's time disappearing does in the rear view mirror. <laughs> it is. You're absolutely right. But look, but you have to remember though, I, I've been quite critical of them there. They were promoted last season. So I yes. mean, they, they've done very well to stay in there and to get, to get amongst it. And they'll be among the favourites I would have thought to be in the top six Are next you season. pleased though that Paul Cook will be back in the championship next season? I couldn't give a shit. Uh, <laughs> uh, he, um, he, yeah, What's yeah, wrong with a cookie monster? Nothing wrong with him. But I don't think he liked Portsmouth very much. No. Yeah. So, uh, but you, you don't have to go to his level. You still like him, can't you? I think if you go back to Wigan, <laughs> saying that you want to go, you, thinking that Wigan are a bigger club, you got rocks in your head. They're in the championship next they season, are. mate. Good luck to him. You know, mm. might not be bigger in terms of. Uh, I mean, they won the FA Cup more recently than Portsmouth. Yeah. Though. Yeah, Portsmouth beat them more recently than they beat us, though. That doesn't matter. It does. It always matters. <laughs> what West Brom are bigger than Man United all of a sudden? That is the logic, <laughs> there, ladies and gentlemen. And it seems fine to me. <laughs> <laughs> After the break, we're going to talk a little bit about League Two. See you in a moment. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode of the Football Ramble is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life throws many different challenges at us, and as a result, we all have our own sources of stress. Whether big or small, those stresses can impact our lives in unpredictable ways, and if we don't address them, they can have an outsized and unwanted impact. Therapy is a safe place in which we can address these issues, learn to understand them, and find ways to work through them. Having therapy can be beneficial to anybody, not just people who've experienced major traumas, even if you may have not considered it before. It could be simply a time for you to get things off your chest, a way to learn positive coping skills, or how to set boundaries. Ultimately, it can be whatever you need it to be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you to a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash ramble. The only thing that they have got is the big boy up front, Sig Thorson. Oh, oh my, my word. Oh. <laughs> Just thought I'd get you in touch for the yeah. summer. 
They could build that towards the summer. I actually reacted to the goal like Marcus is now because it was one of those points where I was like, this is the funniest thing England have ever done. At that point, I still thought we'd turn it around, but no. At that point, you still thought it was some sort of avant-garde art installation. Quite, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, there. Yeah. Steve McClazza. Uh, right, ladies and gentlemen, the preview show sponsored by Bet365 is out on Thursday. Luke, how did our best better get on this week? He lost because he had Aubameyang to score first yeah. as part of an aspect of his bet, which of course didn't happen. Oh, Arsenal you know. did win easily, but Aubameyang didn't do his bit. So sorry, Ed Gibson, we hardly knew you. Yeah. At least he had bench, one. To be fair. It was annoying because I really wanted to use this. But so we couldn't. I have anyway. Um, <laughs> and, and incidentally, I don't, I don't sort of suggest we go back to this, but um, Joe Hart played well in that game. He did. And um, who's the other goalkeeper who played well? Butland. Butland played well mm. as well, yeah. So did Pope. Two England keepers, there you go. Well, I'm just saying. You're talking up Joe Hart? No, I'm just yeah. saying he played well. What's happening? You I hate ham- Hart. I was hammering him last week and I want to be even-handed about it. All right. Right. Yeah. Is this so you can hammer him harder the next time he slips up? I've heard he's been linked with a loan move to Portsmouth next season. Yeah. So yeah. I'll take him. He's more likely to go to Wigan, of course. He is. Bigger club. Yeah. <laughs> more successful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Better fans. <laughs> go on. Far away then. What have we got? Um... Uh, we got. We're gonna need a new better, don't we? Then we do. Yeah, we do. So yeah, get in yeah. touch. Show at thefootballramble dot com uh, with best better better three six five in the subject line would be helpful, and we'll try and uh, dig out uh, a new winner uh, on Thursday. Absolutely. Uh, oh, we got going for gold on Thursday as well. Don't forget. Don't forget. Oh no, we won't because Pete's not here. Yeah. What, oh. what am I talking about? Sorry, guys. Yeah. Don't worry. Something we can look forward to when Pete returns. And it's a new feature. Yeah. Things we're not doing on the show. <laughs> yeah. Well, Sam Blakely would only ruin going for gold anyway. He yeah. would. So we should get Sam Blakely in. We should do. He'll yeah. come in get and host to explain it. Explain himself. <laughs> first, first clue. Marcel Desailly. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> we still get listeners saying, yeah. oh, I got it, I got it. This guy's called Paolo M. No, that's too obvious. This guy's called yeah. P. Maldini. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, right, League Two. Luton will be joining Accrington Stanley in League One next season. Of course, Accrington uh, went up uh, last week, was it? Uh, they will play in the third tier for the first time since they reformed in 1968. Uh, but great for Luton as well. To, to they're, they're a bigger club than, than where they've uh, been knocking around. Of course, they went out the Football League. We remember that, which was a bit of a surprise. Mm. Um, but I did like the, the stories around the, the promotion uh, chat in League Two. Accrington player Scott Brown saying last week that the, during the celebrations or after the celebrations, he'd lost his house keys, his car keys, and was still wearing his kit by the time he got home. I mean, no, my goodness, it. it must have been smelly, but oh, oh, worth it. That's the smell of success, isn't it? Yeah. Sweat. It is. <laughs> it is, Marcus. And I, I, the only thing I was going to bring to the table is that the three teams in the top three positions in League Two, Acton Stanley, Luton Town, Wickham Wanderers, of course, have all had their problems and, and Wickham Wanderers have also been a non-league team for many a year. So yeah. good to see uh, all those three on the comeback trail. Great that Accrington will have a lovely day out of Portsmouth next year. It mm. is. Although Wickham haven't actually done it yet, by the way, I should point out. Yes. They've still, uh, still got absolutely. work to do. Absolutely. But yeah, but good to see Luton back in League One, I think. Yeah, absolutely. They've, they've uh, been through the mill a little bit. Do you remember the, the Mike Newell years? years? I, I, I very much do. How can we forget them? <laughs> should, should we speak about them? Probably not. Uh-huh. What about his hat-trick in the Champions League? It was a quick one, wasn't don't, it? Don't forget that. Yeah, we let's... not uh, forget that. We'll end on that note on Mike Newell. Yeah. All right, Jimbo? Because some, of the, other, Mate, some hey. of the other views you've got, he's got, are questionable. Yeah. <laughs> uh, unless you're Mike Newell yourself. Yeah, in which case you rationalise it. Weirdly yeah. fine with him. Yeah. Unbelievable sympathy yeah. with Mike Newell. Yeah. No. Or perhaps where, not. Where's that come from? That was the Nigel Clough quote. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there we are. Right, ladies and gentlemen, it's now time uh, to go to our new feature, of course, uh, our iconic England moments. Welcome to that feature brought to you by LG OLED TV. See it, hear it, feel it. Live the game with LG, proud sponsors of the FA and the England men's teams. Now, you may have heard last week, of course, head of the World Cup, we, we are reliving an iconic England moment every 
every Monday is chosen by you, the listeners, with every chosen moment being entered into a competition to win a brand new LG TV. Ooh. Um, the winner of the TV will be announced on the final show of this series feature on Monday, 4th of June. Last week, Michael Owen. We spoke about that moment. That was our moment. We got the ball rolling, didn't we? With the Michael Owen announcing himself on the world stage at World Cup 98. How could we forget it? Against Argentina, of course. This week, gentlemen, we have Stuart Pearce's redemption penalty against Spain in Euro 96, chosen by Alan Miles. Well done, Alan. That's a great Mm. suggestion. Big Al. We have to say a lot of people suggested that, but we picked Alan's name out at random. We certainly did. So no hatred, please. No No beef. Yeah, absolutely right. The most important thing is Stuart Pearce here. We are talking about iconic England moments. There's not enough to go round individually. (laughs) (laughs) It is slim pickings. (laughs) But But a good moment. As ever the football ramble, the most important thing here is not that, it's Stuart Pearce. Absolutely. Um, Well, uh, uh, Alan said in his email, Email, he said it's not only his favourite England moment, but easily in his top five moments of his life. Okay, yeah. that says more about Alan than perhaps we, we we knew. Yeah, maybe he, maybe he is an absolute bugger for a, for a hard hit penalty. It was important. It was a great moment, and and I think maybe um, some of our younger listeners, perhaps who haven't really bothered to read around as much as as, as we would assume they have. Mm-hmm would say, well, Stuart Pearce, he was a good player, he scored a penalty, England actually won a penalty shootout and all the rest of it. But that is part of it. But the the big part of it is, of course, not only that he missed a decisive decisive penalty in, in, in the World Cup semi-final in 1996 years before, but the fact that England um, had some decent expectation at Euro 96. Yeah. Oh, huge. We're, we're not talking about the... Post-nation. Era, yeah, we're not talking about the era we're in now. We're talking about a situation where... We actually did expect stuff, yeah. And, yeah. And, and, it, and it was ramped up for, as Marcus just said, because England were at home, uh, we had a brilliant team. If you look mm-hmm. at that first eleven who played that game against Spain, it's a great team. I mean, it's not, there's not a player in there you think he wasn't a great player yeah. or he didn't go on to become a great player. And then also, just before that, we had just battered Holland 4-1. Yeah. Yeah. So people were thinking, our name might be on this here. Mm-hmm. And, and for Stuart Pearce to step up, have a really personal moment, was absolutely massive. And he also scored in the shootout against Germany he in the did. semi-final. And what was really interesting as well is if you look back at the footage, you know, the moment it's known that it's going to penalties, Stuart Pearce lives up to the psycho nickname. He is going around just shouting in people's faces, getting them up for it. Yeah, he, he is. And he's going, I'm taking one. I'm taking one. And mm. I think now, because England have gone out on penalties so many times, it's, it's perhaps easy to forget. Again, particularly maybe younger listeners don't really know, it was different then. If an England player missed a penalty then, they were vilified for, mm. for just forevermore and he'd been carrying that around for six years and the way he hit that penalty I'm surprised it didn't just explode yeah. <laughs> the, the ball as he, hit, as he hit it with his foot he hit it so hard and that must have intimidated the Spanish team because mm. that celebration is one of the most raw emotional things that I think we've ever seen in sport totally. I, th- I think in terms of a celebration it's our uh, Marco Tardelli yeah yeah yeah, I, th- I think you're probably right, actually. It, it, it's just it's just pure <laughs> raw. Obviously, didn't win us a trophy. <laughs> well, that means that's the difference, but it's relative. Though. But I did say I isolated the the, the, celebra- yes, the celebration. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, on on your point about Stuart Pearce at the final whistle after extra time, going around and geeing everyone up. Sometimes I think there is a um, a tendency for us to to, to sort of not ridicule Stuart Pearce, but like t- take the mickey out of him a little bit because of what he's achieved since he finished playing yeah. his, his management career and obviously we, we used to take the piss out of him a little bit but you understand understand that he was the senior pro in that squad I mean he's 34 he's the oldest player Tony Adams was the captain of course well I mean Seaman might have been older would he have... no Seaman I think was 32 at the time oh, okay, Pierce right. was older I mean yeah, but got... you, you, absolutely right Pierce yeah. did play for a long time I think he played yeah, till he was yeah. almost 40 so yeah. he was actually by today's standards quite old then he was the senior pro it was the right thing for him to do to be going around trying to get everyone engaged and locked on for, for the challenge in front of him and I think it was important because he, he's essentially saying to them not only 
get your head on, focus. He's saying, I've been through this. Mm-hmm. I know what it's like. I know what it feels like. I've waited a long time to, to redeem myself here. But not only that, I want us to go through. That's the most mm-hmm. important. And Stuart Pearce would say that. It's not about me. It's about the team going through. That's right. But of course, it was about him as mm-hmm. well. But yeah. also, Pearce was such a character. It was it was like England didn't have a left back. They had Stuart Pearce. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He just he his role on the pitch and also his his character and the the, the pure blood and thunder of the way he played was was so just so, such a striking thing about England and it was perfect to see that all distilled into that moment. Mm. And it was I, I think it was only the second penalty shootout that England had ever competed in. Right. The first one I think was 1990. Right. We thought we put it to bed, didn't we? We well, really really did. I mean, oh, and obviously they lot they then got beaten by the Germans in the in the semi final, but but. But it was a bit different, and and as you you rightly said, Jimmy carried that round for them was six years because it was such an odd one when England were eliminated from nineteen ninety on penalties. So to get that sort of redemption, and then he did score against Germany. Now, obviously, England have had terrible, uh, you know, times in penalty shootouts since then. But they did win that one. It was it was a rare thing. But what a player Stuart Pearce was for England, and few people. I know people. It's a bit of a. It can be a bit of an unhelpful chat when you talk about players caring. But my goodness, you could never question yeah, that man. I think, and <clears throat> one of the things I remember from the tournament itself, just just going back down memory lane, if mm. I can, in an old Uncle Albert fashion, sure. is that um, I remember watching the game, the England-Spain game, with a bunch of my friends from down my street. I was only fifteen, but when it came to extra time, I had worked myself up into a frenzy about mm. the fact that it was golden goal. Oh, yeah. That would have been golden goal in the extra time period mm-hmm. there. I think for the first time, possibly. I think so, yeah. Yeah, and I couldn't handle it. I, I was <laughs> I was like, I cannot deal with this. I didn't agree with the golden goal thing at the time. Yeah. I probably don't now either, and obviously we don't see it anymore. I had to take myself home. I was, t- I was, so, ner- I was <laughs> really? so I was so nervous. I, c- I couldn't watch it with my mates, because th- the idea that as soon as someone scored, it was all over, fine, it felt like it would be good if it was England who were going to score. But I don't know if you remember the game. The game was quite nip and tuck. Spain were quite a defensive team then. Spain were probably unlucky. I think they had a good goal chalked off for offside in they normal did. time. They yeah. did, yeah. They, had one, they did have one um, chalked off for, for offside. It took England a while to, to, to get cracking and, and find space. I mean, we had Gascoigne and McManaman on the pitch and they started to find space after a while, but it was, it was nip and tuck. Gascoigne actually said, Jim, just to echo what you said there, Pierce didn't give anyone any chance for debate. He, mm-hmm. he just said, I'm taking one. Venable said that. He came up yeah. to him and went, I'm, I'm, I'm number three. Right, okay. And he, I'm not going to argue with him. No, you know? no. Yeah. <laughs> so, and and it, would, it was a really big moment for, for Stuart Pierce. And I was also pleased that I remember at the time because I was a bit of a, as you can probably imagine, I was a complete nerd about football. And when and looking back on the 1990 um, miss, I was really annoyed with him because he didn't use his tried and trusted technique. Yeah. Stuart, for those of you who don't remember, Stuart Pearce always used to drill the ball in the bottom right hand corner of his yeah. left foot. That was like his penalty. And it's an unsavable penalty. He was a good penalty taker. He was, and he changed it for 1990. He tried to go down the middle and yeah. it hit, was it Bodo Wildner? Hit his feet. I think it was Wildner. Um, he goes back to his tried and trusted technique in 96 and it obviously it's, he scores. And to, just, to, just to give more evidence to my claim that it's an unsavable penalty, the keeper knows what he's going to do yeah. and the keeper goes the right way and he still can't save it. It was Zuby Zaretta in goal. And it was, exactly right. And Zuby Zaretta. And just to um, reiterate how much of an important moment it probably was for Pierce as well, is that his autobiography, Psycho, which I own, has got um, <laughs> that, that celebration image on the cover. There you go. So it's a massive moment for him too. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that's, uh, that's the Stuart Pierce's moment. We're reliving uh, ahead, of, ahead of the World Cup. Nice this one, summer. Alan. He, as he's walking off after the game, he's still shouting, come on, pumping his fist. Yeah. He's, he's got his top up <laughs> as well, uh, which, which is great to see. Um, what better way to experience more England moments this summer if you aren't travelling to Russia, of course, than with an LG OLED TV and soundbar. And for your chance to win a new LG TV, just email into competition at thefootballramble.com and let us know your favourite England moment for that chance to win.
Yeah, well, Alan said he needs a new telly uh, due to his three-year-old breaking his current one by deliberately nutting it during the recent Man City Spurs game because he wouldn't let him watch Blaze and the Monster Machines. Well, so his name's in the hat. He's got to keep his fingers crossed. He has indeed. Well, there's our latest moment, ladies and gentlemen, brought to you by LG OLED TV. See it, hear it, feel it, live the game with LG. Proud sponsors of the FA and the England men's teams. All this chat about international football is getting my World Cup juices flowing. And let me let me bring a, just a tiny bit more World Cup chat, if I may. We've got an Ibrahimovic World World Cup update, gentlemen. Oh, oh very good. Sweden manager, Jana, um, Jana Andersson, has spoken on this. He said, <laughs> I don't know if Zlatan would still fit into the team, but if he wants to be a part of it, he must call me. Easy as that. Oh, oh really? So so don't just try the, and talk to the manager through a Jimmy Kimmel, mate. The door is ajar, though. <laughs> yeah, it sounds yeah. to me like the door is ajar. Well, he did say this, though, and this is a man after my own heart, if you wait for the final line. He said, to put it plainly, if you retire from the national team, like Zlatan did, following Euro 2016, the case is settled. I don't believe in convincing anyone. I'd rather work with the 250,000 players who want to be a part of it. Sounds like Sweden are going to have a big squad like England. <laughs> <laughs> are they using Spiller Airways? <laughs> sounds like they're going to have to. Get on board. Yeah, great stuff. Yep. It sounds like the door's ajar. I, um, <laughs> can, I, can I just say as an addendum, one thing I forgot to say about Stuart Pearce mm-hmm. is that he missed a penalty in the 94th minute of his final game against Portsmouth. And it was rumoured afterwards, mm. um, Dave Besant was a goal for Portsmouth. That wasn't a rumour, that was, that was actually happening. Besant was a good yeah. penalty but save. It was rumoured afterwards that Besant said to him, if you just put it into the corner, I won't die. Uh. And Stuart Pearce blazed it over the bar. It would, oh. have been, it would have been his 100th professional goal. Oh, right. And he missed it. Shame. So there you go. There's a penalty addendum to the Stuart Pierce story. There you are, you see. Well, ladies and gentlemen. Will Stuart Pierce be in the squad? <laughs> in the <summer>? <laughs> <laughs> be on the plane. Yeah. Yeah, he, he certainly won't be on the bench. No, he'll be on a plane. Yeah. Mm. In, on the in, coaching in, plane, which yeah. is also massive, presumably. Yeah. <laughs> well, there we are, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for listening to the Football Ramble. It's been a pleasure having you with us. The preview show is out on Thursday. Of course, we look forward to that. Say goodbye, Luke. Goodbye. Say goodbye, Jimmy. Goodbye. It's goodbye from me as well. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.